Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast, talking with Rod Mullins here as we're going to catch up on NASCAR here on the show. And uh, they were in Richmond this past weekend, Rod, and uh, so not too far from where I am anyway, a couple hours up the road. Uh, Denny Hamlin uh, was at home. Um, he didn't get received well by his hometown crowd, to say the least. Uh, he was in the race late, had a chance to win, but Chris Busher gets the win, and right. Busher the 13th first-time winner, or the, at least the 13th different winner this year mm-hmm. uh, on the uh, circuit, uh, sews himself up a playoff berth. Uh, and he uh, had a good restart at the end that fueled his, uh, his, his, his big win there. Take us back to Richmond and how things played out. Well, you can say mostly about Richmond that this was a key cog or gear in the resurgence of Roush Fenway Keselowski racing, uh, with Busher securing this spot. And although we'll kind of call it provisional, he's kind of in, but he's going to have to have some good performances here to kind of keep him in that uh, top 13, top 14, or however it's going to go. Um, but actually, you know, it's something that Brad Keselowski was uh, talking about, and that was before and after the race. He says, we're seeing a big change. We've seen a change this year. Busher said, you know, this team is taking chances on me when I needed chances, and they have stuck with me about things. Um, you know, the first time I ever met Chris Busher was at the, uh, it was at the Bush Beans, uh, little museum and stuff down, uh, down in Tennessee, going down toward, uh, oh gosh, I'm thinking, uh, somewhere in close around Cock County, Tennessee. And I had a chance to meet him and we talked to him a little bit and he seemed like a really nice guy. Uh, this was when he was still with, uh, JTG Daughtery Racing was who he was with. And, uh, now it's JTG, but he was talking about, if I'm just given the opportunity, I know I can make things happen in the sport. And sure enough, RFK has believed in him. They've kept him on there. It's only a two-car garage setup is what they have. But uh, he's been putting up some impressive numbers through the races uh, up through this part of the season and then pulls away with a big win on uh, Sunday at Richmond. And I think it was great for RFK because – it's kind of shown this consistent run and this consistent building of momentum going back to the top. And, you know, I think that adding Keselowski in there has changed things at Roush Fenway. I, I think the the thinking and the mentality had kind of become stale. And so Keselowski comes in. There's not a major infusion of cash into it, uh, per se, to run the team. But there's a major infusion of enthusiasm, I think, with Keselowski and also with uh, Busher uh, just racing good here this past year. And I think that made a difference on Sunday. Those guys led almost half the laps uh, on Sunday in Richmond, 190 to 400 laps. Keselowski actually led 102. Mm-hmm. Um, Busher had to come back uh, from, a, from a rough uh, qualifying. He was 26th at the start uh, and um, to get the win. And when we say, yeah, he's, he's, he, we f- say he's locked in. He's a 13th winner this year. There's still four races to go. So if there were four other first time winners, then one of those would uh, be knocked out of the 16 team field. Just the lowest, right. the lowest point getter would be there. So yeah, you, as you mentioned, he's got a, he's still got to race well the next few weeks. He's not, he's not completely locked in, but he's, he's rather assured at this stage. Um, so yeah, you know, you talked that you were talking about the RFK racing and resurgence. I mean, this is a, a group that, uh, uh, you know, that, that uh, Keselowski is the name entity. And you, you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, Busher. Um, 
what about Hamlin though? I'm thinking it's fun. <laughs> Denny Hamlin, we talked about. He's on his home track. He's from Chesterfield right. County, which is, I mean, it's a, it's a. You could spit from from the track to to where he's from. And I mean, he was he might as well have been I don't know Ric Flair or uh, <laughs> he was the biggest heel there. He he was he 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 got lustily booed by the hometown crowd. What is going on? And it's not just the fans; it's also fellow drivers. Yep. What's going on with Denny Hamlin right now? I you know that's good a question as anything. Well, I think a lot of people are asking what is up with him. Um, you know, he's bringing to I guess into the light certain things, maybe about the car, maybe certain things about the way that they're racing, but it's the way he does it. And he shows no remorse. He doesn't show any remorse about what he did. Um, and I go back to the Pocono race. And even though we didn't talk last week because of ACC media days and so forth, and I had a lot of things going on too, at the same time, um, you know, it was one of the things I guess that really got me was Kyle Petty and Kyle Petty made a comment. He said, um, I do not support, you know, Denny Hamlin in this case because he says he shows no remorse for anything. He goes and he goes out and he makes an accusation or he says something, but he doesn't back it up. He doesn't know when to stop, per se, when he needs to go ahead and stop it while the getting is good, as the as the saying might be. Um, he's using his podcast with uh, Dirty Mo Media with Dale Earnhardt Jr., which He's given him an outlet to be able to go and get on there, but he's become a lightning rod. He has become a major league lightning rod, especially in the dog days of August as we're moving into this. And, you know, these storms and everything else with the races and so forth and with the fans, they're not boding well for him whatsoever. I mean, this is just something that he is becoming. I don't know if he thinks he's becoming a Dale Earnhardt, but Dale Earnhardt did very little when it came to saying things, Dale Earnhardt did his driving on the track and that's imagine, how he proved himself. Can you imagine Dale Earnhardt having a podcast? Oh my gosh, it would be <laughs> unreal. Uh, he would say things that would probably, I mean, it would curl hair on a bald man's head, nothing personal there, Chris, but I mean, seriously, it would, it would, some of them, it would infuriate. Uh, you've had a lot of people that have, uh, that have settled back now and, you know, they say Dale Earnhardt was such a great driver. Dale Earnhardt was such a great individual. In one aspect, he was, but he was one of these drivers that knew he had a job to get done and he had to go out there and race and he had to go out there and win. Even if his car was falling apart, he would stay out there. If they black flagged him, he would stay out there until it was time to pull into the pits. They throw on some 200 mile an hour tape or whatever it might be to get him going. But he would stay in a race as long as he could because he knew what the importance of it was. In the meantime, you've got Denny Hamlin. And Denny Hamlin goes, and there are so many things that are going on with Denny Hamlin right now. Uh, one, uh, everybody's been talking about the Kyle Larson incident at Pocono. And that he squeezed him up and he didn't give him much room. And then into the wall, Kyle Larson went. Kyle Larson's not too happy about it. As a matter of fact, none of Hendrick Motorsports' drivers are very happy about it right now because they, in one way or another, have all been affected or at one point or another, they've been slammed, hit, or whatever it might be by Denny Hamlin. And he has become, according to some sources, public enemy number one in the eyes of Hendrick Motorsports. 
forget about the Toyotas and stuff and forget about, you know, that it's Denny Hamlin. And I can tell you the Martinsville incident with Chase Elliott here that happened, you know, several years ago, right down that playoff stretch. Um, you've had the incidents with Byron, you've had him hitting Byron, uh, this one with Kyle Larson and last but not least, Alec Bowman, who has come right out and said, he said, you know, there's something that Denny Hamlin is doing that a lot of the other drivers haven't quite learned to perfect yet, but he's using it to a disadvantage and he is air wrecking or air bumping people going around the track. And I understand that better now because that's what he's doing. He's using the aerodynamics of the car in front of him and his car. And when he does just enough at a certain move, he can break that airflow. And when that airflow comes off of that rear end where it doesn't have that downforce in there, that's where it starts traveling, the, making the car travel around. Um, you know, that's a mark also, I have to say this, of a good driver. You do something strategically wrecking someone or putting someone in the wall without really, you know, touching them or anything like that. But it's how he's gone about it. And it goes back to that same thing I was saying about Kyle Petty. Kyle Petty says he shows no remorse about anything. He wants to run his mouth. He wants to keep on going with it. Um, he's, he's smug. I'm sorry to have to say it that way, but you know, I've watched him in a couple of his press conferences and he's gotten, He's gotten downright smug about some things, and he's made some comments at some of the reporters asking him questions. So Denny right now is his own worst enemy. He's not helping himself in the PR end of, of racing, to say the least. You know, uh, he finished second last week. Uh, finishing third was Kyle Busch, and mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, because it's funny that those two guys finished second and third, respectively, given that we're talking about Denny Hamlin being public enemy number one. And Kyle Busch, who's been public enemy number one for a long time, right? Um, he's almost like, um, he's almost like the nice guy now. <laughs> I mean, what, yeah. what a what a bizarro world we live in right now. Yeah, bizarro world, and and some people might even look at Kyle Busch and say he has become the elder statesman <laughs> of NASCAR, so to speak. Even though he's not that old, but he's still, you know, one of the guys that's getting out there and and saying. Okay, this is how I feel about this, and this is how I'm understanding it. Um, you know, he doesn't go out and assault somebody's character or anything like that. But you know, he may—I mean, Denny Hamlin, on the other hand, he has—you know—he's questioned people's abilities. Hey, we can't forget the Cole Custer thing. I believe is that, or the Chase Briscoe thing at Indy here. I think a year or two ago, uh, they got into it. The Ross Chastain incidents. Oh my gosh, it's, you know, it's going down the list even further. And people have complained about Ross Chastain being a threat on the racetrack. I mean, it's all out there written. Denny Hamlin has become exactly public enemy number one. And Kyle Busch is just kind of sitting back and he's laughing about the whole thing. And he's just like, yeah, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Because I don't think these two guys got along too well when they were at Joe Gibbs Racing. They were so competitive against one another. It was like they didn't want to work together, which kind of leads me to the thing of Martin Truex. Wonder if Martin Truex is going to stay with Joe Gibbs Racing for next year. He's they the posed that leader. question to him. Yeah, he's, he's the points, points leader. And we don't even know what his future is. Uh, right. This time last year, he was thinking about retirement. So what? So yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of gave away. We don't know what his future is. What yeah. do you think it is? I don't know. I don't know at this point. I mean, I've just been. I'm kind of like 
left in the whole dark about this whole thing because Martin Truex is still, I don't think he is, he's not made it to the point yet where he is a driver that should be, you know, going ahead and folding up the the tent and saying, okay, it's time to go home and it's just time to go ahead and just not fool with this anymore. Um, I think I still think he has some other, you know, a few more years in his pocket, I think left to go. But I think he's also worrying about his fiance, girlfriend, slash, you might as well call her wife, but uh, Sherry, his wife, who has battled cancer a number of years and stuff. And it may be getting to the point of where he's just saying, you know, I'd rather be with her. I'd rather help her through this whole thing and stuff instead of driving, although she is very supportive of him. But it still goes back to a thing that I've complained about. And I said to you, I think early in the season, there were problems at Joe Gibbs Racing, and it was still this way. It was this way last year. There were problems at Joe Gibbs Racing, and I don't know who was running things or how things was being run. And then we have the death of you know of uh, JD Gibbs. I think it was uh, was JD, and he passed away. Um, you know, you kind of lost that negotiating arm, so to speak, there for him with Joe Gibbs Racing, but. You know, here Kyle Bush was, and he was kind of left out there to just kind of flounder with no life uh, life preserver on. And here he is trying to stay afloat. And Joe Gibbs is throwing him an anchor or throwing him an anvil to try to send him down faster uh, than anything else. Uh, you know, the writing's on the wall in one thing. If Christopher Bell starts getting really good, which he's good right now, Christopher Bell needs to start worrying where he's going to go. What's going to happen to him within the next year or two? Um, the same thing with Martin Truex. He's wondering about it now. He says, oh, we're close. You know, we're close to working something out. Denny Hamlin says, I'm close to working something out. We just haven't got it into writing yet. Well, son, you better be getting to it, getting on the stick and getting something in the paper because, um, you know, we went through this last year. Kyle Bush was in the same position and he said, we've got something. We're going to work it out. And then totally out of left field. He announces, I'm going with Richard Childress Racing. And you didn't, you couldn't blame him. He had no place to go. I mean, it was either sink or swim. And he chose to swim and he chose to swim with the other Barracudas that have been out there circling around him for so long because Kyle Bush and uh, Richard Childress did not see eye to eye about some things. But, you know, it's, um, how can we say this? You say it, politics uh, makes strange bedfellows. I think racing makes strange bedfellows sometimes in very uneasy ways. So we've talked about, so the Truex situation is is, is still up in the air. We, mm-hmm. There's other free agents out there as well. Now, th- we, at, the, at the risk of making this a Denny Hamlin podcast, um, a lot of this seems to be, be waiting for that domino to fall, what he right. does mm-hmm. uh, in terms of his JGR uh, deal uh, and whether he re-ups. What's the, what's the thinking there? Is he going to re-up with JGR? I think he does. I think he does because he's really the bright spot or the, at least maybe to some people in JGR stable that thinks he's the bright spot out of this, but you go back and look, he could be car owner too. He's part-time car owner with Michael Jordan on 2311 motorsports, but it doesn't say much for you. If you're driving still in the Toyota ranks in the car and you wreck your own driver for 2311, or you do something to the car. Bubba Wallace right now is not too happy. Uh, he's not too happy with his car owner. Now, I'm sure Michael Jordan is probably 
kind of pulling him back a little bit or kind of, you know, saying, hey, it's just one of those racing deals. It's not a racing deal to me when when my car owner is in another car, even though it's, you know, underwritten by Toyota and so forth, and it wrecks me. I'm not happy with that. I'm not going to be happy with my car owner. It's like, what do you do, boss? I'm sorry. Did you wreck me? That was my fault. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done that. Bubba Wallace is not going to be that kind of person. And, uh, you know, again, you said it, this is, uh, this is almost becoming the Denny Hamlin podcast here. And how many more ways can we go with a Denny Hamlin Cupid doll and stick needles into him? And before he starts feeling the pain of it, he doesn't care about him booing him at that Richmond. He doesn't care about it. Didn't care about it at Pocono. Um, that's the reason why that we're, we're back to that same thing again, showing remorse or showing some sort of, maybe I shouldn't have done what I did, or maybe I did take the air off his car, the spoiler or whatever the case may be. Um, Denny's just not, uh, taking any responsibility for what he does. It's like no holes barred. It's like wrestling, you know, sure enough, we're back to that little axiom here in this little, in this little comparison. Rick Flair. Yeah, that's kind of what he reminds me of. So uh, to make this the, at least the other half of this podcast about more free agents uh, or, or possible free agents, Legacy Motor Club, Noah Gregson, what's the latest on his status? Uh, and might he be heading out and going somewhere else? Yeah, um, it's been a frustrating year for Noah Gregson. Uh, I know he's tried. He has wanted to. I think the, the whole option of this thing with uh, Legacy Motor Club was to get him some cups time, uh, some seating in a cup series car. Now that, that begs to differ. What are we going to see out of Dale Earnhardt Jr. And, um, you know, Dale Jr. Racing. Are we going to see a jump into the cup series for next year? Um, we're still hearing the same thing. No, they're not ready yet. They're not quite ready yet. Um, you know, he's already taken a big loss on losing, uh, Josh Berry, who's going to Stuart Haas racing, but he's still, you know, praiseworthy of him. He says he's a very good driver. He deserves to go to Stuart Haas. He deserves to be in a top tier program, but now, you know, Gregson could go back and jump back down to the uh, Xfinity series for about a year to see how well things are going to be able to gel. He could be a full-time uh, driver, if you want to call it that for Dale jr in junior motorsports, but you know, that's the question. Where's he going to land And you know, who's going to take his place because, you know, here they are switching from Chevrolet's to Toyota's for next year. And, you know, they were already happy on Eric Jones. Toyota's happy. They're getting Eric Jones because he's had driving time. He's, he's, he's pretty much set, but the one name that keeps on being mentioned is John Hunter Nemechek. And he's had a ride in the Xfinity series. He's had a great run in the, in the truck series. He's the son of uh, front row, Joe Nemechek, uh, who used to dominate. He'd go out in a car and he'd dominate and take the pole for the first, uh, in the first qualifying session out of it. Uh, but you know, that's a question. If Joe Nemechek is Joe or John Hunter Nemechek is going to step into that role, uh, there over at uh, legacy motor club, because unless something changes, there's not going to be an opening. If, if Truex decides to stay, that's one seat that's filled up. Christopher Bell is already secure. Now, if Denny Hamlin stays secure, 
then guess what? There's no seats available. So you're going to put the best Toyota driver that you can in another Toyota with another race team supplying you with information, data, and all this other stuff. You're going to move that driver over. And Joe Gibbs has that kind of power. Joe Gibbs Racing uh, has kind of controlled Toyota over the last several years because, hey, they've been the only one, about the only one running the Toyotas here in the last year or two uh, on the cup circuit. So uh, looking at the standings now um, and the, how we have four races to go before the playoff cutoff, mm-hmm. um, i talked about 13 winners. I, one of them was Shane Van Gisbergen. He's only raced one race this year, so obviously he's out of the mix as far as the playoff goes. Right. But when I look at the standings, um, I see – so the 12 other winners are all in the top 16. Um, the, the guys who are in the top 16 right now who don't have a win, Kevin Harvick is sixth right now uh, without yep. a win. Uh, then you look at Brad Keselowski is 11th, uh, and then the uh, 15th and 16th right now are Bubba Wallace, Michael McDowell. Then on the other side of that line, uh, 17, Ty Gibbs. He's 18 points behind McDowell. A.J. Allmendinger is 22 points back. Daniel Suarez is 34 points back. Chase Elliott has moved up a bit. He's 20th yep. now, but he's still 40 points back. Mm-hmm. So there's four weeks where those guys have a chance to – uh, either solidify a berth in the case of the guys who are in the 16 or steal one if you're on the outside looking in. Uh, how are those teams running right now? And who do you think has the best opportunity to either solidify or sneak into the playoffs? Okay. Sorry to have to bring Denny Hamlin back into the picture again. <laughs> but the way that all of this is playing out, especially with the way that the top 16, or at least the way he feels the top 16, The point system that NASCAR has right now promotes rough driving and it promotes, you know, just, just these arrogant attitudes by these drivers. Uh Okay. I understand that. But as I go down through here, you know, how many people quote unquote has Denny Hamlin pissed off at one time or another? And I start looking down the line. Well, Kyle Busch is probably in there. Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain. And then I go back through here a few more and stuff. Um, I mean, it speaks for itself. I mean, the points, I think the point system, you know, give or take some bad things that have happened and the way that they have determined this has made it more of a playoff system. It has made it an effective system to be able to go and plug drivers in. And if they win the big one and they get on a hot streak, then so be it. Put them in the playoffs. Let them see how how they can do down the stretch. And, uh, you know, I don't know where he's getting that at. But if we look at these teams, um, I really think right now that the team that a lot of people need to be looking out for, or at least one of the car, or one of the drivers, at least, um, I think they need to be looking at Christopher Bell. I think Ross Chastain's going to probably uh, shake and rattle here. You mentioned uh, Van Gisenberg, or you know the guy that won at Chicago. Okay. Yeah, he's not in there. But speaking of silly season, there is the rumor that he is going to be. They're trying every way in the world at Trackhouse Racing to maybe get him next year into a seat they want to get him into a seat at track house but there are other people that are interested in him and if those other people get him and track house loses him that's not going to be a good thing for track house racing because this is the team that was young upstart gave him his push 
going into this. And by the way, he's going to be racing at Indy on the road course coming up here in what about two more weeks, I think is what it's going to be. So it's going to be it. And that's definitely going to turn some heads, especially by Indy, because there'll be people up there that'll say, I want to see if this guy's for real, see what kind of driver he is. Um, you know, he could come into NASCAR next year. If he comes in in 2024 is able to get out of his commitments in Australia and come over here. Oh my gosh. Uh, this guy could set the world on fire. Now that's road courses though. We don't know how he's going to do on ovals. You know, that's where the difference is. You can, you can always throw a ringer in at a roval and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised they throw him in at Watkins Glen here before the season's out. They still have one more race there at Watkins Glen, but I would be surprised, you know, I would be surprised that, you know, somebody tries to sign him and it's like, sort of like Marcos Ambrose when he was with Richard Petty wasn't good on the ovals that well, it wasn't good, but man, when you put him on a road course, he was unstoppable. And so that's what I think could possibly happen. I think they're they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle, so to speak. But I think that lightning is more like static electricity that you rub off on your clothes or something. And you feel that slight little jolt when you hold your fingers up. Ow, that hurt. That could be what happens for uh, Gisenberg for next year, if it does happen. I don't know. But, you know, this this is wide open right here, with uh, especially with some of these things. Keselowski is in a playoff position. And I think that speaks of, speaks back to what we were talking about before, the resurgence of RFK. And then Busher in 13th, uh, you know, that's not bad at all. I mean, that's consistent right there. That between the two of them, you know, they've got these uh, where they're at in the points. Wow. I just, I think they've done well so far. But um, yeah, it's it's wide open right now at this point. You know, and we've not even talked about um, Penske all that much we've not talked about uh, joey logano's had some bad luck here the last three or four races didn't have a good race at chicago uh then you've got uh, ryan blaney who's been close but hasn't come up with anything he did win a race but he's still kind of in that you know sink or swim sort of situation right now and he's kind of mired in what they have him uh i'm looking here like uh joey logano is in 10th I'm looking for uh, Ryan Blaney, where they've got him at ninth, I think is what they have him in the point standings, the way it's uh, positioned down through here. So they're close with each other back to back, but um, they've been known to kind of get hot as the season starts, you know, winding down a little bit. And these guys pretty much, unless something drastic happens by the season, uh, they're going to the playoffs. Uh, Both of these guys are going to the playoffs and so forth, but it remains to be seen who else is going to be able to hold on. Michael McDowell, he's kind of a pr- provisional right now. Uh, you don't know about Bubba Wallace. You don't know where he's going, if he's going to be able to hold on to it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott's going to have to go, and he's going to have to win, I think, two races to get himself into this playoff shot to cut this down. One race is good. But two races would be even better for him. Yeah, because, not just to get into the playoffs, but right. have a chance to do something when he's in the playoffs. Right, exactly. I mean, you don't want to get on that outside looking in. Oh, I guess that's where it brings up another Denny Hamlinism here. You know, you desperate measures and the points calls for desperate acts and so forth. So uh, can we see uh, 
Denny Hamlin will probably expect it, uh, to see Chase Elliott trying to wreck somebody around the, the track. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I'm really ragging on him bad. I've just, I've just, you know, uh, it's just been terrible, but I'm just, I've heard enough of him. He he's, gosh he's like he's like people that do campaigns for local office and you see him you see him and you know you open up the paper you look or whatever it might be or you see him on tv and there he is and he's he's talking about this is what's wrong with nascar and so forth and it's like no you're the problem it's not nascar itself you're the one that's kind of taking this mantle up and you're kind of going with it and then you're telling everybody oh this is what's wrong with nascar Actually, NASCAR's kind of created. I'll just use the English, uh, the English teacher aspect of it. Uh, NASCAR's kind of created a Frankenstein's monster. Is kind of what they've created out of this. They've let him speak and they've let him do this stuff, but they haven't been able to go and put the muzzle on him when they've needed to. And he just goes right on and he speaks. And don't get me wrong, I don't think that it should be one of those things. He should be silenced by any means. I think, you know, he's got that freedom of speech to be able to say what he wants to, but it's how he says it and how he does it. He could do it a lot more professionally, I think, than what he has been doing so far. I think you're a big fan of Denny Hamlin is what I'm getting from all this. <laughs> you could be right. I mean, you know, you know, you could be right. I, I don't know. No, I've just, I liked Denny Hamlin at one time. I thought, you know, great for Virginia drivers and stuff, having a guy in, you know, your home state, um, you know, Quinn Huff was another one, you know, you kind of cheer for the locals in the state and so forth. And then, you know, things go a different direction. Like we talked about Quinn here a couple of weeks ago of, you know, going into the family business and, He's kind of put his NASCAR dreams on on hold. Well, Denny Hamlin, I don't know what he's going to do except for run a race car, run a race car shop or a team and and so forth, or drive. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, yeah, I'm I'm not a fan. Let's just put it that way. Um, when he's a good driver, he's a good, he's a great driver. But now when he's in media and different things like that, whew, I don't know what to expect out of him. Watching the press conferences and so forth, I'm just like. We're gonna we're gonna owe know. him royalties from this from this podcast with all the references to Denny Hamlin. That's Let's just crazy. stop there. Let's just stop there. <laughs> not mention anything about DH, the DH. designated hitter. Okay. Let's just not talk hitter. about him. So hey, Michigan is this weekend at 2 30. That's uh uh who who historically runs well there. And you know, I, you talked about Chase Elliott. I'm surprised. I mean, I, he missed a few races, obviously, with that injury earlier in the season. But I'm surprised he hasn't done anything since he got back. I mean, he's yeah. he's hovering in, in the on the wrong side, way on the wrong side of the of the playoffs. Can he maybe finally you know do something this weekend and, and get himself back in the mix? He might. Um, I know that before Michigan has been a good place. Michigan was a good place for his dad. Uh, Bill Elliott knows that track probably better than than anyone, and he would. He would drive that car, that Ford Th Thunderbird. Of course, we're talking different kind of car makes here and so forth, but he'd drive that Ford Thunderbird just incredible on the banks of, of Michigan there in the in the Irish Hills, as they call it. Um, he's got to have something happen this weekend. He has to have something happen because, you know, it's kind of like the sands through the hourglass. So are the days of our lives. This is what's happening with him right now. And he knows it. Uh, unfortunately, it's like you ask the question, does Rick Hendrick and does Alan Gustafson, do they know that something is going on with this? Is, is it something they haven't jailed? 
Um, I look for a, I look for a shakeup on crew chiefs. I think there's going to be a shakeup on crew chiefs. There's going to be a kind of a moving around of different things. Uh, yeah, it just wouldn't surprise me, but I just don't think he's, I don't think he's been that good. I'm like you. I don't think he's been that good since he's come back. Uh, he showed some promise, I think in some of the early races, but you know, I think the guy that probably could have got him into the playoffs is probably Josh Berry. If Josh Berry had been racing, had a little bit more time, I think that's probably would have been a good thing, but he would have, um, he would have had to been, I guess, in a, how can you call that a hardship case, so to speak, to kind of be let in. But, uh, you know, he definitely showed what he was capable of. And I just, I just don't know. Chase, Chase Elliott has been a mystery this year. I think he's been a mystery. One person I do think that will do well at Michigan and has in the past, I think they've got a number of big wins there in the past is Kevin Harvick. And Kevin Harvick is looking for a win. Um, he's winless so far on the season. I think if I've got him right, I've got him as no wins or anything, but you know, he's done well he stayed toward the front of the pack and that's what's kept him in the point standings and he's ran you know had some clean races but we're still at this question mark of will he be able to win the big one before he goes out and he likes michigan i think michigan would be a great uh great win for him uh but still brad keselowski he loves michigan raised in michigan loves that track up there too this could be the breakthrough win for him this this weekend with rfk racing you know fresh off of busher winning at richmond and then keselowski going to michigan it'd be just exactly what the doctor ordered for that team that is this weekend sunday at 2 30 and uh that's the first of the last four races before the playoff field is determined We'll have coverage here on Augusta Free Press. Rod, as always, thank you for your time. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you.